0: He is none other than Snoop Dogg. I'm
1: gonna bring, bring a piece of candy for you to look at.
2: You might be able to take it later too. <laughs> Will Ferrell. I also ran into John Elway in the bathroom. He could have he could have given me a forearm shiver there. <laughs> he could have rammed my head.
0: Long snapping expert. Adam Carolla.
2: We don't call ourselves
0: long-snapping what? experts. What do we We're, call ourselves? You just say black belt. You don't say black belt
2: <laughs> no. karate expert. Black belt says it all.
0: Matthew Perry. Our casting actor said, what about Nick Jonas? He's a pretty good actor. And I said, okay, great. Someone tell me who he is. <laughs> I don't download many podcasts, but when I do... I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast, presented by Papa John's. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen podcast, presented by Papa John's. Less than a month to go until the NFL draft. Lots of intrigue, as always, with pro days wrapping up, private workouts going on left and right, and then who knows what is going on inside every single building across the NFL in the midst of a lockout trying to get ready for an NFL draft. It's a brave new world that we're in right now. So we've got uh, two very brave former head coaches, part of the NFL Network family, joining me here for the first time, both on the Rich Eisen podcast, presented by Papa John's. Brian Billick, Super Bowl winning head coach from the Baltimore Ravens. Good to see you here, sir. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You bet. And uh, Jim Mora, you're not the first Mora who's appeared on this podcast. No, have got a lot to live up to, don't I? If I had ever told you, Jim Mora, that
1: your dad would appear on a podcast before you, what would you... What would I wouldn't have seen? believed it, but he's become kind of a computer guy and an Internet guy. Is that yeah. right? Oh, yeah. He's uh, he's right out in the digital world right now. <laughs> is he Photoshopping stuff for the grandkids? Uh, you know what? You'd be surprised. For, for a guy his age, mm-hmm. as technologically, technologically advanced he is? as he is, no, you'd no, be no. very surprised.
0: Well, I mean, and, and Brian, I had his dad on for uh, uh, the week before the Combine because, not talk Combine, talk Oscars, because, you know, the Oscars is uh, Sunday of Combine Sunday every year. I, I don't know if, <laughs> if the Oscar people are aware that that's the cross-section that we, we see every year. But uh, his dad, his dad. Nailed he, it. Almost almost well, he was a little too attached to the social network,
1: well, yeah, he did get attached to the social network, and i i don 't know that, that uh, he was a big King's speech fan he wasn 't, and I tried to tell him all along that was the winner that was the and, I saw the King's speech title wave coming a long way away yeah now he you know uh, football was his job, but I think movies are his passion rich it 's fantastic. <laughs> now the question is, is he better than mooch? Oh
0: no, no question about it. Because Steve admitted flat out. He never sees the movies. I read him all ten films that were up for best picture. Hadn't seen one. One by one, asked him if he saw Hadn't seen one. He said no ten straight times. But it's still
2: handicapped. When
0: my
1: dad started going to foreign films, I knew that he was serious about this thing. And sitting in there and reading them. And I think what happened is is as his hearing started to go, he gravitated more (laughs) to the foreign films where he could actually read the dialogue. And and I
0: told him about my concept about drama. Dropping in some raisinets in the popcorn. Oh, I yeah, haven't heard that
2: one. Uh, uh, he oh, didn't no, no, know. you got to go East Coast. Obey. Is that what it is? Try some Obey on your popcorn. Yeah? That's a, I know it's East Coast thing, but pretty good. <laughs> I like that. try that. Is that a Baltimore thing? Oh yeah, specific? it's on the crabs. What you put on crabs? It's, it's a seasoned mix. Okay. Get a little obey. Put it in the pot. I mm. have popcorn every afternoon. It's kind of like like my four o'clock snack. Mm. A little obey on there. Very Eastern. Are you shore. gonna go Utz potato chips on me as well? That's no, isn't no, that, no, isn't no, that, no that, that's,
0: that's that's a mid-Atlantic sort is it, of chip. Is, is, is it? it? Yeah, it I is. That. No, it is. no. I go
2: with the popcorn and the obey.
0: I like it. Yeah, your dad didn't. He was totally thrown off by the whole concept of chocolate and and. Uh, Popcorn together. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> chocolate and popcorn? What, what, do, you, what do you mean? There's popcorn and then there's chocolate. You channeled your dad. Yeah. Oh, let's talk draft. Let's talk draft right now. Which do you think is the deepest position, Brian Billick, from what you've seen so far?
2: You know, it's interesting. Everybody keeps coming back to the defensive line, both mm-hmm. the tackles and the defensive ends. But they're getting beat up a little bit right now. There's, as is typical... Uh, As all these guys were going to be pushed up into it, uh, but whether it's Bowers, whether it's Quinn, whether it's Farley's work ethic, they're all taking on a little bit of water right now. Uh, But clearly, I think maybe the best value might be along the offensive line because I think they might get pushed back behind some of these defensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So I think if you're in the 20s, you might end up with a pretty good offensive lineman.
0: Because every year you normally hear tackles are going right. to go. Remember a couple of years ago, ta- I think five tackles went in the top ten or even the top eight of uh, one year. You normally that, that those are those are premium
1: guys, but maybe not so much this year. Well, tackles protect the most valuable asset on the field, yes. the quarterback. And right. You know, Tackles, cornerbacks, guys that can rush the passer, guys that have an impact on every single play, those are the guys that as an organization you're typically looking for. Uh, I agree with Brian. I think defensive line and offensive line are the two premium positions. What happens this time of the year, every year, is that the over-analysis starts. And uh, you start talking about what guys can't do rather than what guys can do. And then as you sneak closer to the draft, it comes back around, okay, this guy can do this. He fits the profile of what we're looking for at this position, you get hot on it. And what drives
2: me nuts is just what Jim's saying. You go through your readings and your analysis Mm -hmm. with the coaches and the scouts, and now when it gets clear, getting closer now to where you're actually going to make a pick, everybody kind of goes loose on you because it's, well, then they start throwing in the qualifiers. Well, this guy has a hangnail. Well, this guy... Doesn't like movies. Well, this guy had you know, so that if it, even though they've been up there pounding the table, oh, we got to take this guy, he's going to be good. Then if you take him and he doesn't turn out, they can go, well, I did tell you now. Plausible deniability. Exactly. That's a a good term for it. There's a lot of, cover your backside. Yeah, no. uh, just so even though I've been pounding away and I love this guy, now you throw in, and so be- a guy begins to take on a little water. Well, I'm, I'm just trying to sense what you're, you
0: guys are saying right now because obviously you've been in draft rooms for uh, more than most people. Uh, would you would you advocate stepping away for a few days? Would you advocate that? I know no. you, you would not because if, if you're saying that you're overthinking now what, what or you're happens, overanalyzing. Well, what
1: Brian's saying is this: is that. Uh, You know, you come into the room with a lot of conviction, all right? Mm -hmm. But when they ask you to jump up on the table for a guy, it's tough for some people to do that because they're trying to protect their position. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just like coaches, scouts are evaluated after the draft every year. uh, You know, were they complete in their analysis of players? Did they rank them the right way? And like Brian said, they want to add qualifiers so that if a guy is a bust down the road, they can say, well, you know, I told you he had this, but... You know, we knew this about him. And it's just – I think it's hard sometimes for scouts to jump on the table for a guy. I've always found it easier for coaches to jump on the table for a guy and say, give me that guy. I want him. I want to work with him. I want to put my hands on him. I want to see if I can develop him. And that drives
2: the scouts nuts because they always feel like coaches fall in love with guys, Mm -hmm. that they don't look at the full – realm of players, because as coaches, you don't have the time to look at it the same way right. the scouts do. I always did something that I thought was a little interesting, but about this time, usually probably another week or so, you get through your final set of readings, uh, and then you, you set your board. And that's a cumulative board, and obviously, in our case, Ozzie Newsom or Eric DaCosta would set up the top 150 And then I would sequester my coaches. And I'd say, okay, we're going to put our own 150 together. And it wasn't as a, okay, we're going to put our 150, and if ours turns out better than yours. It wasn't to second guess. What I wanted to do was have the two lists. And if the scouts or the maid board had a guy at 25 and the coaches had him at 20 or 30, well, okay, that's a margin. I'm I'm good with that. What I want to re-talk, I want to get everybody back together. If we got a guy on one list at 20 and the other guy's at 40, Mm-hmm. or 45. Oh wait a minute now. Some somebody's missing something here. I want to hear the discussion about these two guys. And it may only be three or four guys, but it's not a bad thing to do to come back and kind of rediscuss some of those extremes. And they
1: need to ha- that that discussion needs to happen before draft day. Oh, yeah. Cuz when you get you to can't draft have this day in the 10 minutes you're on no, the No, it happens sometimes. It does? So I've been in rooms where it's uh, in the first round in San Diego one year Dave Wyman And a uh, tight end named Bernstein out of Texas A&M. And we're coming down to the last 10 seconds before our pick. And our GM and head coach are nose-to-nose arguing about who we're going to take. Do you remember who it was over? Uh, Rod Bernstein ended up winning. It was Al Saunders versus Steve Ortmeier. Mm -hmm. And uh, Alex Spano stepped in and went with uh, Ortmeier. And then we knew the power shift had gone towards towards Ort in that case, but it, I'd never yeah. seen anything like it. I mean, the you know, if you um, passed uh, the very first pick, now this was years and years ago before it became more sophisticated as, as it is like now, but what's so important to having success as an organization is that, that everybody in the room believes you're making the right pick. Everyone's on board, that there's a consensus in the room. that This, this is the guy that we as an organization are going to pick this isn't the coach's guy this isn't the personnel's guy this isn't the owner's guy this is our guy and you have a plan for success for him otherwise he's likely to fail and you
2: don't have to agree with it but you do have to feel like you're exactly right the room has to feel like okay i had my say and it went against me you know they didn't go with my guy or they didn't go with my evaluation but the one thing you don't want is player or coach going away, well, they're not listening to me, mm-hmm. or I haven't had any input. Then you're starting to create a culture that you don't you don't want to create.
0: Yeah, but you got to break some eggs to make an omelet. Right? Oh, Absolutely. no, no, I no. There's oh, yeah,
2: some you know, dog customers Through the on. month of yeah. April,
1: and March is kind of the, the, well, the month where you're pretty pretty out on the We're pretty much there road. right now that we're, right. we're here. March, you know, everyone's out on the road going to the personal workouts. And right. then April, you get into those draft meetings, and they will get heated. There will be heated discussion, and everybody will be encouraged to give their opinion. And, really, you'd like to walk out of there with no hard feelings. But, uh, you know, like, like I said, what's important is that there's a consensus in the building when you take a guy. If there's not, mm-hmm. then there, the chances of that, that player you pick failing are increased. Earlier this week, uh, Lombardi, Michael <laughs> Lombardi, we had him on the podcast. He said that uh, the
0: draft where... Uh, with the Browns. Did you hear that? You heard he, that burned he burned his it. clothes. <laughs> I he said he burned his clothes. Did you know that? No, I, I never heard, heard that. Out. He was so
2: it? disappointed with, I guess something, Bill Walsh. Or no, 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 it was with the Browns. Belichick had, had uh, there was a guy he didn't know about, and something came along the board, and he and it just started a cascading set of the whole draft <laughs> fell apart. He <laughs> felt so badly about not being able to have the right answer. What did he say? He, he just, burned his clothes. He, burned he, his he clothes. said he gave he his clothes to
0: his wife, and he said, burn them, I do want to see them.
2: Cleanse himself. They passed on SAP. They
0: took Michael Dean. Buried, that's right. And he said it just cascaded on and then they, they sort of missed on another guy. The draft went so bad. Yeah.
1: so well, That's ball. not good. I mean, <laughs> you know, if, if you've got good people, if you've hired right. the right people in your scouting department, in your coaching department, and they're the right type of character individuals and they're bought into your system, then, you know, they understand when, you know, you decide as an organization, as a general manager, head coach, to pick somebody that maybe they don't agree with that pick. You know, they get on board quick. And if they don't, then you really have to think about, is this the kind of guy I want working in my organization? Right.
0: How much did the, your own personal interview go over where you looked the young man in the eye, both you guys as head coaches sat him down? How, how crucial was that? Was that the most crucial component?
2: I you got to be careful with that because some of these kids are pretty slick now. And you know what? I, I don't remember. There's very rarely you – get, you get 20 – I think it's the same. You get 20 guys you can bring into your building. Right. And you do it for different reasons. Some maybe you didn't have much contact with others. You want to get another physical on. Maybe there's a medical issue. Um, And you spend substantially more time with them than you do at the combine where you get just the 15 minutes. Um, There's very few guys in that process over the years that I did that you just came away and went, you know what, I don't like this guy. I just don't like him. You usually love the kids. How can you not? They're good kids. They're energetic. They want very badly to be there. They've been trained. I mean, they're going to put that best foot forward. I don't know if you get a real honest look at it. I always wanted to be careful in the process we talk about as a head coach. What do you do? you got to be careful, I think, as the head coach to come in and you've looked at film and you love a kid how do you walk into a room full of your scouts and, and players and go boy i really and, and coach and say i really love this guy right and then expect one of them to step up and say no boss you're right, wrong this right. guy's terrible i tended i like to listen mm-hmm. ozzy Newsom taught me this i love to listen now I, lo- I also enjoyed kind of prodding even if i agreed with you and you, rich you jump up there and boy i love this kid and his size and i may kind of even though I agree, I'll go, really? I don't, you know, What do you, I want to see the courage of your conviction. I want to press you a little bit to see how truly, or if I challenge you in a little bit, you kind of, well, yeah, well, you're right, kind of right. If you back off and just go, wait a minute, man, you either, you either believe in what right. you're saying or sure. not. Sure,
0: right. And um, let's start naming some names. I like okay. this. When you, when you started dropping in some names from San Diego, the guy that you're most proud of that you stood up for,
1: you pounded a table for him, well, and he panned out. It, well, it's a guy that we didn't draft, but it was Eric Allen. Remember Eric Allen? Of course, sure. Great corner for the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. and then ended up playing with us in New Orleans, went on to play for the Raiders. Uh, we didn't draft him, but I was I was like 24 years old, okay? So I was really wet behind the ears. Nobody was going to take my opinion. We were at the East-West Shrine game at, when it was held at Stanford's campus, practices were, and I saw this guy said, that guy right there? that guy's going to be an all-pro. What do you know? You know, you're a kid. You're 24. You mm-hmm. don't know anything about scouting. And, right. and uh, you know, even though I didn't get to coach him until later in his career, when he would make those Pro Bowls and all-pro teams, I was like, yeah, I, I told you, I saw that guy. Mm-hmm. What about
2: you? You know what? The one, <clears throat> the most prominent one, and it's been well-documented, when we took Randy Moss, and the thing I remember most about it, everybody knew Randy Moss was a talented player. Uh, I've never been around a head coach that was a better evaluator of talent than Denny Green. I don't know that Denny gets his due in terms of had a great sense of an eye for talent and when they were ready to play. So you're saying he would look at a player and know who he thought they were? And, and, he had and a you, great, you, you, so it... Who we
1: know <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. who I knew, I knew, I knew they, were, they were. I look at him <laughs> and I knew,
0: I thought, I knew he was. I don't even know how he is. Even... who we, we thought he is. That's <laughs>
2: right. We were picking at, I think, 20 or 21. And Randy was going to go at seven. And he certainly wasn't going to get past Dallas at 10 or 11 or 12. And then, and I remember Denny coming to me about an hour before the draft. He says, look, and we need a defensive guys. We were pretty stacked offensively as it was. And he says, when we get Randy Moss. I'm going, you know, and my admiration for Denny was clear-cut. It was like, Coach, you've been smoking dope. There's no way. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to all that. I had totally dismissed. I was, I wasn't even thinking about the draft. I was in getting my scripts ready for Midicamp. OTAs yeah. <laughs> because I thought there's no way we're going to take an offensive guy because the board was stacked up at linebackers and DBs, which we needed at that level, mm-hmm. and there really wasn't the offensive player. But he says, Brian, I just, I know it's going to happen. We're going to get. I just, Coach, you're nuts. I'm sorry, but so I'm I'm in the other room and I'm just kind of watching on the TV, going about my business. And he goes past, uh, and he and he went past Dallas. I went, son of a gun. So I go to the draft room, watching this whole thing go. And Randy, and then 21st pick, Randy Moss. And he just looked at me and kind of a wink. I went. Ooh, I got some work to do. Yeah. <laughs> How yeah. many big plays can I come up with? Go back to my office and look at all the film I could on whatever just big throw plays. deep when yeah. he puts his
0: hand on. And up. then you got your hands on him, and and it was obvious from the get-go.
2: Freakish from day one. I remember the very first time he goes, he runs a go route. This is in the first OTA, and I'm going to do my coaching thing, mm-hmm. you know. And he's running down, and the way just he approached it, so I'm going to go coach him up. And I start down there, I'm <laughs> going, you kid – no, no, that's that's pretty okay. Yeah, you couldn't do that. <laughs> that looked like it worked pretty good. It was just a freakish ability to run, jump, hands, the whole thing, and you knew right away, boy, this guy's special.
1: Yeah, I always enjoyed uh, Bill Walsh in the draft room because he was fearless. What was that? Yeah, what was that? Yeah. Like? Oh, he was great. You what know, do you mean by fearless? He, he just he wasn't afraid it's to decisive. pull the trigger on a deal to get a guy that he wanted. He he was always an advocate of. If there was a player in the draft that you wanted, that you coveted, that you thought could come in and make your team a better team and propel you to a championship, then take him no matter where you have to take him. Even if everybody else says he should be picked at this spot and you want to jump up and take him at this spot, do it because he's going to help your team win. And then the other impression that Bill always made on me was if you pick a guy in the first round, you've picked him to be a starter. Unless he was a quarterback at that time when you know we were grooming quarterbacks. And, and he, would, he would make it known from the very first day that this guy is going to start. A good example is Andre Carter. Remember Andre Carter? Sure. that plays for the Redskins. Uh, Andre, our first mini camp, I was the defensive coordinator in San Francisco, and we put him with the second team. And Bill comes into my office after the first practice and why did you have Andre with the second team? And I said, well, because, you know, we want to make him earn his spot. And he said, look, we picked him with the ninth pick. He's he earned 100%. his spot. Yeah, that's it. And that was Bill was just fearless that way. You know, he just believed in getting rid of players before their time had mm-hmm. come. He believed in youth, and he believed in, in being able to just pull the trigger on any trade in the draft that he thought would make his team better. You were his PR guy, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. That I was mean, your
1: first gig in the league? Uh,
2: it was. How about that? It's kind of like people, like, people bring that up. It's like an old uh, felony charge that you kind of go, oh, wait a minute. Oh, no. no, no. no, no PR, there's <laughs> nothing <laughs> wrong with PR. We, um, we all need it. I remember our very first pick. So I'm, I'm there in PR with Bill. And we took James Owens from UCLA, yeah. mm-hmm. who was a running back slash wide receiver uh, or a running back that Bill was convinced would be a wide receiver. Uh, and it didn't work out. We eventually tried moving him to free safety. Didn't work out. Um, and, and, and I know that Bill carried that around a little bit. His first draft choice was an abject failure. But it also happened to be the draft. We picked up a guy named Joe Montana I've in the heard third of him. round. He, was, he panned out. He panned out. Okay. And I will tell you a Joe Montana story. Please do. Because I'm just the PR guy. I'm just there. My <laughs> job is to get coffee and donuts for everybody and stay out of the way, right? Because this is my first gig in the NFL. Sure. And, um, and everybody, this was one back then, kind of unique for them. Everybody's in the draft room. Everybody. Every scout, every coach, everybody. And Bill wants input in the whole thing. And I've heard since, and again, I got no horse in this race, because p- trust me, no one was whipping a pencil out of the air going, Brian, what do you think we ought to do here? I'm just <laughs> listening, okay? And I've heard a lot of recounts of how we ended up with Joe Montana and who was his advocate and who was pressing him. And how, I will tell you this, and I will take this uh, belie- belief to my grave. When we took Joe Montana in the third round, we just took a guy. We really did. Mm. The way they had come about him, Sam Weish and Denny Green had gone down to work out James Owens, needed a guy to work him out, happened to be Joe Montana. Denny and Sam came back and said, Bill, you know what? And Bill and, 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 and uh, Sam, particularly, who played for Bill, coached with Bill, knew what Bill was looking for. And of course, said, Bill, you need to look at this guy. There's something special about him. And, uh, and that's what really brought him to the forefront. Um, but then on draft, this is a third-round pick. In fact, I remember Bill saying... Kid went to Notre Dame, our owner's Notre Dame. Oh, sure, take the Notre Dame kid. You know, now he said it in a semi mocking manner, and I don't want to diminish his brilliance in taking a Joe Montana, but it's not like the room erupted knowing we just took the greatest quarterback of all time. We just took a guy.
0: Yeah, and I'm sure in uh, 2000, when Belichick and with the 199th pick overall, which was Tom Brady, no one no one was high fiving no, on that hey, one. Hey, Brady, uh, we were now, t- Bill was the 49ers. With us at the 49ers, right? 49ers. I was Are we going to hear the 49ers. Giovanni Carmazzi? Yeah, he, we had, we had a local. The Giovanni workout. Carmazzi <laughs> name about to get drunk? Well,
1: Mooch, I'm sure, has told you about this. We had a local workout, mm-hmm. and because Tom Brady was from the Bay Area, he was able to come back and, and participate in our local workout because of the because of the local workout. Exactly rules. because of the 50 mile radius, right? And he was in our area. That just area. created all sorts of craziness with right. the so AJ Green he, workout. He yeah. flew back from Michigan. He participated in our locals workout, uh-huh. and nobody was like, oh, you know, it was just kind of oh, who's that guy, you know? And even the great Bill Walsh, who could identify quarterbacks pretty well, he, you know, nobody took notice of uh, Tom Brady. It was uh, <laughs> it was pretty amazing. <laughs> Bill was great though. See, Bill. Bill, we were talking earlier about how scouts start to qualify their decisions mm-hmm. late in, in the draft process, and Bill would always tell, tell people, I don't want to hear what a guy can't do, mm-hmm. just tell me what he can do. Right. How is he going to help our football team? I, I don't want to know about all of the, the, the things he doesn't do well. Tell me what he does do well and why we should pick and
2: him. And if we can find a role. Yep. I think that in today's parlance is the brilliance of a Bill Belichick mm-hmm. is that they are very specific in knowing a role for a player that might devalue that player in someone else's eyes as to him falling back. But for them, Bill has a very clean sense, I think, of what this guy can do for us—a
1: plan of success for the, For every player they take, there's a plan of success for him. There's a clear direction that they're going to take him in to have success with him, which in flies in the
2: face of the best athlete right. mantra that we hear all the all the time. Well, you got to know your system,
1: yeah. And, he, and but yeah, so,
2: many so many
0: it. organizations have so much turnover. There's no system to even right. know. Right. You know that's the problem when you when you're turning things over. Plus, right. there's
2: no, there's not a lot of discussion between the head coach and the general manager and the, and the guy making the pick unless he's schizophrenic because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's truly a unified perspective um, that it, it would be hard to utilize that system to its fullest unless you had that one singular omnipotent presence at the top right. that is going to do it all.
0: It's only fair I ask this question since I asked the guy that you're proud of knowing and you were right about what about a guy that you swore mm-hmm. was going to work. And didn't pan
1: out. Oh, that never happened, Rich. <laughs> Not even...
0: <laughs> <laughs> you almost went next question on
2: me right Let's there. go
1: with... Uh, uh, I'm going to let Brian answer that first. Let me think about that
2: for a minute. Uh, I'll give you a good one. Uh, when I was writing the book, More Than a Game, I thought... And, and, and quantifying the quarterback position mm-hmm. is the hardest of all positions. You just... There's, there's no definitive... We can draft a guy, and by the end of OTA, as you know, because of the speed, the height, the whatever... Quarterback, it could just take years to before you really realize. Look, this guy just can't do it. But one of the guys that, if, if and they all and there's a lot of guys in this league that think, well, I know quarterbacks. Yeah, okay, right, pal. I got I got the numbers that, to convince right. you otherwise. But one of the guys that truly could hold on to that mantle to me is Ron Wolf, mm-hmm. who did a brilliant job in Green Bay in stacking quarterbacks. And I always believed every year I got to take a quarterback. Because particularly on the back end, if I'm wrong, who cares? But if I hit on a Aaron Brooks, if I hit on a Matt Hasselback, if I hit a, on a Mark Brunel, then all of a sudden I'm getting value. And I was asking him, I said, Ron, you got to tell me the secret now. What What is it you're looking at? And uh, he says, believe me, <laughs> if I knew. He said, for all the successes we have, yeah, I had Peyton Manning above you know, Ryan Leaf, but I thought Heath Shuler was going to be a perennial Hall of Famer Pro Bowler. Right. And, and you know, is, and there's a guy that, that you know, obviously out of the game that can be self-deprecating that way to say, no matter what the criteria are, if he says, if we'd have had a pick right. and he'd have been available, I'd have taken him and I'd have been wrong. Right. What about you?
1: I'm going to go uh, with a guy that no one will remember, Mike Rumpf. Remember Mike Rumpf, yeah, Rumpf played sure, at Miami? Yeah. He was a safety corner. We took him in the first round at San Francisco. And... Uh, great kid, hard worker, but just a little bit too high cut just missed something i've kind of it 's kind of one of those situations like you said, Brian kind of fell in love with the guy, fell in mm. love with the story, mm. fell in love with the personality, and maybe overlooked some of the physical attributes that he was
0: lacking. What about a guy available in this year 's draft that reminds you of somebody that you took a chance on that
2: uh, oh boy, you know what say. I find
0: i how about one of the quarterbacks?
2: You ki- well, uh, and it's not fair because we make analogies with all of them, and we're, we're asked to do that, right? Because I just it,
0: asked you to do it. I know. Actually. I just <laughs> actually asked you to. You actually know, there's guys in my ears. So you constantly. have the caveat is set. Who you does he really want to do this?
2: But. And the problem is, I will tell you, going back, you again, this is Bill Walsh concentric. When Bill Walsh made the casual comment mm-hmm. about Jake Plummer, remind him him of Joe Montana. Right. He just shot like there was a rocket up his butt right up the draft choices because it was my God. Bill Walsh right. just you know, made the comparison between Jake Plummer and Joe Montana. When you look at these guys across the board, Blaine Gabbert does remind me a little bit of Matt Ryan. I think in the way that he's carrying himself, the, this body type, I like, I've come to really like Blaine Gabbert. Right. Um, Christian Ponder reminds me a little bit of uh, the guy out of Alabama, Brody Croyle. Now, immediately it goes, okay, so you're killing the guy. Well, no, we thought Brody Croy was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, But just in the way, you know, what's the euphemism for him right now? Well, he's a West Coast guy. What does that mean? No arm strength. You know, we have these codes. Right. A good cover corner. Well, he won't hit. Right. But a West – so Christian Ponder reminds me of Brody Croy a little bit. I hate to say it, but Ryan Mallett scarily has Ryan Leaf written all over him, and it's a scary thing for me. Why do you say that? And it's not fair to the young man – the maturity level combined with the athletic talent mm-hmm. and the environment he's coming into, um, it's a little scary. It doesn't mean you can't overcome it. It really doesn't. Uh, but it's a little scary in that regard. Jake Locker, we were talking about it on Total Access, regrettably, and I love the kid. A great young man, but a young man that part of the reason I'm sitting here with you all. Um, uh, <laughs> Kyle Bowler. You right. know a great young man, good <laughs> athlete uh, the the lack of accuracy in this game there 's two things today that you know and it goes it 's a sliding scale, but the mantras today about quarterbacks mm-hmm. okay one they 've got to be accurate If they 're inaccurate in college they 're going to be inaccurate in the pros that doesn 't develop that 's kind of the prevailing mentality now, and someone will defy that obviously the other is they 've got to be that gym rat with a uh, what bill would have called. A functional football knowledge. doesn't mean you have to score high on the wonderlick. They don't have to be able to necessarily articulate, but there has to be a fundamental football functionality, which kind of means he's a gym rat. He loves being in looking at the film. He's a guy that hangs. He's just that kind of a guy. Mm-hmm. Locker is the latter, but the accuracy scares me to death.
0: So what about defensively? Somebody like
1: Von Miller, who does, he, who does he remind you of?
2: Aaron Curry,
1: a little mm-hmm. bit. You know, uh, Aaron, who we drafted in the first round a couple years ago in Seattle, uh, very impactful player. Mm-hmm. Von's a little bit more active as a, as a pass rusher coming out of college. Right. Aaron really hasn't developed yet. I think he will. But athletically, they're very much the same. You know, mm-hmm. big, strong, physical, fast guys that had an impact in college. Uh, Aaron had great ball skills. I think Von has a little bit more rush ability. Uh, I think both of those guys eventually will be real successes in the national football league. Like it just hasn't happened for Curry yet. Do you
2: have uh, – uh, sure. got a question. I've turned it. I'm, I'm, I'm full media Go type now, Is Go for it. I Is it. this I mean, the,
1: you, uh, your podcast now? Yeah, it's a okay. Brian Billy podcast. Yeah. No problem. Do no, no, you no, have no.
2: a school bias?
1: You've been uh, burnt I by do, some uh, players from certain schools. You know what? I, I like guys that come from winning programs because I think they, that lear, winning is a kind of a learned trait, you know, and I like guys that have played in front of big crowds. But sometimes you'll find some of your best corners and receivers are guys from small schools that, you know, maybe people miss. Are you, Ryan,
0: you, you You strike school? me as a guy who doesn't ask questions unless you know the answer. I know. Well, well look I'm at the look That's on I, his face. I, I, I,
2: I, mean, I, I find so. everybody does. Ozzie Newsom and I had very specific. I won't tell you Ozzie's. It's not fair to Ozzie. But I knew if a player came up from this school, right. he had no chance. And which school was that? He was, I, I'm not going to throw you gonna Ozzie say in the no, for, for me, I will tell you, and I hate to say it because I'm a UCLA guys. Now well, that's because of the this, powder blue. No, no, yeah, this is a guy yeah, that man, had. I
0: mean, got, I mean, I've seen exceptions to. to uh, but, but, yeah, one
2: of the man. great tackles, <laughs> you know, Irving.
1: But I, I, I've had I mean, a give ranch. me a Miami guy any day. I can say that. Well, and I, I still used to feel say that 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 way. I remember
2: one time in a practice, and, and uh, we had some lineman going off, and he was a university of. I said, I, get, I want somebody from a state university. Forget this university of. You guys can't. You can't, can't perform. All I right. want a guy from a s- directional school, Five. Central northern yeah and i want to state in it because those guys are i always like it, it was uh, a
1: florida state they're from the state of of florida miami florida state but, university of florida those you're going to get some athletes out of that area but i have a bias kind of towards guys.
2: receivers from florida because mm-hmm. and why it's a personal bias been burnt enough how about quarterbacks from florida Probably a real bias towards that. Yeah, I mean, just but that's not their fault, mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I say UCLA, I had Jonathan Ogden. My God. Right. I mean, the consummate. But I just had a string. And, and the two guys, Raheem Moore and, uh, and Ayers, the kid uh, from uh, UCLA. You like the look of these kids? I just remember when I was at Stanford. And we'd play UCLA, and you'd come out of the locker room, and every player coming out of the locker room of UCLA was 6'5", and cut, and good, good clear-skinned-looking kid, and you're thinking, God, we're going to get our butt kicked, and couldn't play a lick. You know, it they, they just—I don't know. It's so, uh, so.
0: So you say that about UCLA. You say Bowler's the reason why you're here. The the state university <laughs> system of California. <laughs> it seems you are not very high give on me a
2: Fresno State. <laughs>
0: <Give laughs> Dilver, well, San Carr. Diego yeah. State. David guy. Carr. You uh, got David uh, Carr yeah. out of that right. right there. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. can uh, find this.
2: examples from all.
0: I guess you could. I guess you could. This is fun, guys. We got to do this. Yes, absolutely. Okay. When you, I don't know when you guys are going to be in studio together again, but. We'll just fix it up.
2: Yeah. Tell the Coaches dad, Show presented by Travelers. You no, I just did. I <laughs>
0: saved <that. I> <laughs> it in my sleep now. I bolted Do up really? in the middle of the night. Well, uh, from your mouth to the Lord's ears that you will get to say it this September. Yeah, yeah we will. We, we, we will. We need that. We need to be able to have some football. Good to see you, Jim good Moore. Good to see you, Rich. Good to see you, Brian Billick. Thank good. You. Thank you both for being on this edition of the podcast. Tell your dad I said hello. We, I will. I, I, I want to get him I'm going to make on. him watch uh, the King's speech again. He got to. He didn't. Gonna,
2: what did he like about it? I I think know, he did like he, it. He, he did like, like it. He, he said he just, Colin Firth. He way got all
0: the actors and actresses yeah. awards. He nailed those. Colin yeah. Firth, Natalie Portman, um, both the supporting actors and actresses from uh, The Fighter. He nailed it. He might have a little thing for Natalie Portman. I uh-huh. think he might. Uh-huh. Well, who, uh, who wouldn't, though? I don't, I, uh-huh. She's a five-tool player,
1: yeah.
0: as, as they say <laughs> in, in another sport. Good to see you guys. Yeah, right. That is Brian Billick and Jim Moore. Uh, I'm Rich Eisen for the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. We mentioned that Michael Lombardi story. I'd love that he burned his clothes. Maybe he should have just burned them anyway. I didn't really know (laughs) what he looked like, whatever his clothes were. But uh, Michael Lombardi, my conversation with Jeff Saturday, if you didn't hear that, that was quite a fascinating conversation. And also the comedian Rob Riggle was on another podcast that you could also see right here. Uh, on uh, this download page here on either NFL.com or on iTunes. Thank you for downloading this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast.
2: Stay listening, friends.